and welcome to Radio, a podcast by the Entrepreneurs' Organization in South Africa, which is made by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Um, my name is Ross Drex, I'm your host, um, and our, our far-away host is Rich Mulholland, who's not here today, but we miss you. Um, I'm sitting here today with Earl Smith, who is the Grootkanon, the boss, the CEO, and the founder of Volunteer SA. Welcome, Earl. Thanks, Ross. <laughs> nice to be here. Um, we always like to start the show with um, the, the elevator pitch, just to give people kind of context. So would you give us the volunteer essay elevator pitch? Uh, so, sure. So uh, we, we take wildlife conservation programs in Southern Africa and uh, we create them into a holiday experience, working experience for over 18-year-olds from around the world. Uh, they come to South Africa on a fully inclusive package. They work with wildlife, generally hands-on. Um, we feed them, house them, transfer them around, um, show them the best of what we've got, and uh, send them back crying and wanting to come back for more, uh, and certainly with a lesson of wildlife and conservation. That's quite cool. I mean, how did you how did you end up? Is, is this always been your passion? How did you how did you get here? Uh, I got here quite quite colourfully, colourfully. <laughs> um, I've always been into wildlife, and uh, I, I met my wife not not through wildlife, but my wife's parents owned the lion park, and I got involved uh, quite what about 12, 13 years ago. I got involved. And, and while I was there, I saw this gap in the market um, of bringing over 18-year-olds or young, young sort of the backpacking community out to South Africa uh, to work with wildlife. And, and that's where it started. Um, and then about eight years ago, I left the Lion Park uh, and carried this on full-time on my own. All right. And, and so, so, I mean, uh, just to understand the... the the kind of business model or the concept a little bit, these guys pay you to come on this sort of experience. Uh, yeah, so so everyone around me, my mates and, and, and family think that uh, that people come and they pay us to come and work for us. So, I mean, there's one side of it that is that, but there's a lot more to it, right? They come, they come and get the most incredible experience, right? Working uh, in... in, in sort of what their dream is, right? People from the Northern Hemisphere, it, it's their dream to sort of, I dreamed of Africa, where they come and they live on a, a wildlife ranch um, and they work with wildlife and have fun and they meet people from all over the world uh, and they go home with, with an absolute love for Africa, with new friends that they say they're going to be friendly with for the rest of their lives and they yeah. meet boyfriends and girlfriends and 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 it's it's actually quite uh, it's quite thrilling to see that five years down the line they've still got their profile picture on their Facebook page. You're still them walking with an elephant or watching lions uh, sleeping under a tree. So we do, I, I believe, we do do a lot of good, impactful work for for, for wildlife and for and for them. Yeah. So it's kind of you know we talked about these these you know kind of young people that are coming here and and having these experiences. You then obviously have another kind of market, which is the the farms or the lodges or the conser conservation programs. Like, how does that how does that tie all together? 
So obviously, we we kind of uh, the middleman. Okay. You know, we take we take something that's not really well. Some programs already have a, a volunteer program that's not really doing too well, and we get involved and we fix them. We do the marketing, we do the payments, right? But we have to pay. We pay per volunteer. We call them a volunteer, wildlife volunteer. We pay per wildlife volunteer that we place. So we actually helping conservation by bringing these people in. Oh, so they don't money. pay you to put people there. You pay them. Oh no, to no, come no, no, no. I, I, I pay them to place, right? Okay. Right, right. So we we create the program with them, or there's already a program that needs some some help, and we pay. We bring ten or twenty or thirty wildlife volunteers every month to them. We pay for their bums in beds, their meals, uh, donation to the project, and that money goes into conservation, into um. You know, whether it's the, the, the orphaned rhino project, right? Running this orphaned rhino uh, project is ridiculously expensive. And this is the thing that I love the most about what we do is conservation effectively is, is a, every month is it's handing cap, right? Begging for donations mm-hmm. and sponsorships. And here is, is almost a vehicle where you can use to somehow help your bottom line and, and get people to come and pay to come and have this experience so conservation is actually now a marketable product that can make some sort of funds that can help with conservation i mean i love i love that concept of taking something you know the the language around volunteer is like you're going to volunteer you're going to give up something and volunteer to come and join join an organization which obviously has a limited like capacity because as soon as you run out of time or energy or whatever you're going to bail from that volunteer program and i think what you've done is almost create value you know in it to say that this is an experience this is you're not you're not volunteering you are a volunteer but you're coming on this travel like eye-opening life experience and you happen to be doing that whilst volunteering and you know, engaging with these wildlife projects. So, so I like that you've created some kind of value, or at least perceived value, where there there might not have been some in the past. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a, there's a concept someone along the line made it up called volunteerism. So it's volunteering and tourism together. Together creates what what we do, and it's 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 pretty cool. It's a good industry to be in. We feel we we helping, and it's fun. We're helping our facilities, the, our wildlife volunteers leave. This is something that, that I learned maybe two years ago only, where they leave, they, they, they come to South Africa or Southern Africa for the wildlife to help. But when they leave, they cry. And uh, it, it's fast, fascinating. A lot of them cry not because they helped the animals. They cry because of the experiences that they had. And, and the people that they've met and, and all together it, it just makes such a good combination of helping animals, leaving with new friends, new experiences and, and a fair amount of them come back. And a lot of them actually have reunions overseas somewhere along the line uh, of, of all the people that they met at the project at that time. And, you know, that's all bunched together makes conservation, you know, a lot healthier. And, it, and that's not something you organizing, they're self-organizing this overseas and, and just letting you know about it. Well, they don't even necessarily let me know about it. I just see on, on Facebook that they're having a reunion or sometimes they even have their reunions back at another project or at the same project. But they're keeping in touch and, and you know, again, all rolled up together 
it, it certainly makes their, their conservation that they came and helped with, you know, it makes it sort of long lasting. I mean, we've talked a lot, uh, you know, in previous episodes of, of radio about people running their business from a purpose standpoint and having quite clear, like a clear vision for the company. And it seems like you've, you've got that, that down. Was that something that you originated the company with or was it something that kind of formed over time? So I'm certainly not the first person to do this. Um, there's the global villages out there and there's a lot of competition. But slowly you actually start realizing what you're doing. And it's taken me a number of years to realize a few things. And that, that one was, you know, that people leave because of the experiences they had. Sorry, that when they, when they leave, they, they cry and they sad. You know, that, that sort of concept of that they, they're leaving not because of, sorry, they're crying not because of, they're going to miss the elephant that they walked with, but they're going to they're crying because of the experience that they had. That took me a good number of years to realize that. And that sort of changed the way I market. So you've good. actually pulled that message out from, from the kind of feedback you're hearing and turned it into the, the sales pitch or the reason for people to kind of believe in your, right. in your it, brand. It sounds crazy that it took me you know, a good number of years to realize that when it was sitting right in front of me. But I think as entrepreneurs, we... Sometimes it takes us a while to pick things up and sometimes we miss things and then you only pick them up, you know, quite a while later. But I mean, this is, this happened to me in my business. I always believed that people came to us because of exceptional design. You know, that was what we believed it was and it's how we sold ourselves. And then uh, quite a few people just fed back that it's actually more because we care about the work and we care about the company and we care about the outcome and we care about the exceptional design as almost the the hygiene factor it has to be there in order for us to compete for the work so if it's not there you're not in the room so it is there so we are in the room but what differentiates us is actually that we we care about the work that we're doing and we care about the outcome for our clients and the people that are there right so that's that becomes the memory and, and reason to come back yes it's not the initial reason why they sign on the dotted line. Yes. So that's the same with us. The animals are why they pay us, you know, good money from, from sitting in a high-rise apartment in Chicago at minus 25 degrees. But but when they leave, it's it's not the animals that that bring them back or have, give them fond memories. It's the animals with the experience and meeting new people and the good work that they put in. So, so you know, you, you're quite clear. You, you've... It's, You've taken this time, you've understood that, that the re people are not coming here. The real benefit of what you're offering is not engaging with the animals. The real benefit is this, this experience and this growth and the relationships that people are developing. Have you used, is there a similar message that you use in your recruiting, you know, to actually to put people on the volunteer SA team? Like, are people buying into that idea or, or you know, are you using that as an HR tool, you know? No, so we're using that as a marketing tool. Yes. Um, a lot of our videos, we have not just one person in the video, right? We have that one person who we're focusing on amongst a whole lot of her peers at, the, at different projects. So you're not only showing the animal interaction or the care for animals, but you're also showing that they're having a great time. And that, that has definitely changed over the years. Before, we would have one person showing one person doing work with us or interacting, feeding baby rhinos or, sounds ridiculous, shoveling elephant shit, right? But we actually, that elef shoveling elephant shit on the Monday morning at one of our projects has actually become one of the fun things to do because there's a whole pile of elephant shit that needs to be shoveled and moved. And then they, 
they have a competition on on how quickly they can shovel this crap off the, <laughs> off off the trailer, and they have two teams, and, and they actually time each other. So that's become fun, and you actually can see the energy amongst our volunteers. So something that would never have been filmed or, or used as a marketing tool now is actually quite fun in, in, in itself in terms of we have a competition. It's a ridiculous competition, but it's a competition that gets people excited and, and, uh, and gets the uh, camaraderie. And, have and you shoveled elephant shit? I have certainly not shoveled elephant shit. You haven't? I have not. Um, I feel like this I, is the place that we can, you know, EO is all about um, learning and growing and, and, and challenges. Out of your, so, so I think this is our today. challenge to you. Next time we interview you, I'd like to hear if you and your team are, are able to shovel um, elephant shit faster then, then, than the volunteers then can. Than volunteers, yeah. Okay, fair enough. We'll uh, take some photos and we'll get back to you on that one. I love that. <laughs> um, now, we were chatting earlier before the show started, you know, and, and asking about what is the thing that, that's inspiring you and frustrating you at the same time. And you were saying that it was social media. Do you want to kind of unpack that a little for, for the listeners? I think we were... We were we adopted social media quite early on, where I think we were at, a, at an advantage. Um, we've now sitting on about 130,000 followers on, on Facebook. Um, Facebook are changing the, the game as we speak. The goalposts, I don't even know if there are goalposts anymore with Facebook. But we certainly managed to jump on early on, and uh, we, we're using our Facebook page you know, quite as it's more of as a referral or as a, a confirmation that we are legit. Um, before it was more of catching people from Facebook and throwing them to our website. And now I believe it's certainly the other way where people come onto your website. How you get them there is another story, but they come onto your website and they sort of use Facebook to see that you are legitimate. Here are tons of reviews and videos from past volunteers saying what an amazing, incredible time that they had. So you're using um, it like as a social proof. So I'm using it tool. as social proof more so than than a catchment. So is that what you mean by the goalposts are changing? That you used to be able to use Facebook to catch people, and you don't think it's it's that easy to do that anymore? It, it's not. I think it's almost impossible. Where before we would have paid advertising, we would pay good money to Facebook, and we felt that we got you know good sort of leads from that. I don't believe with, with we used to pay, maybe pay five or six pounds a, a day or a, or a campaign, and now I don't think I don't think a million pounds would get you that. So literally, a million pounds wouldn't get you what we used to get for five pounds. Okay. Um, we so how has this affected your strategy? What are you What are you doing now to sort of use social media effectively? Um, so we do not advertise, uh, uh, we do not use it as a catchment sort of, of of our potential wildlife volunteers. We just use it in, in terms of people coming on and seeing that, that you can have a lot of fun. But we're catching them on our website and we're catching them on, on remarketing, um, but we're certainly not catching them from Facebook. So how Instagram, does it, I, mean, I found, is, is, is pretty good. Okay. The thing that irritates me is that Instagram is now owned by Facebook. So do you think they're going to do the same thing? They will absolutely do the same thing. Um, you put a, a great picture on Instagram and within 24 hours you've got four or 500 likes. If I put that same picture on Facebook, I might get 40 likes. Um, not that the amount of likes determines how much money is coming your way or how much revenue you're going to be turning, but you know you need that, that 
picture that becomes viral and, and, and gets spread out. And Instagram seems to be doing that a lot more effective than Facebook. Um, so so, so what kind, how, would you, how would you approach Instagram? What are you doing on Instagram to get people to, to go to your website to sign up? So we're tagging, we're using you know, our tags, Volunteer Southern Africa, Wildlife. Um, you know, we've got a whole bunch of tags that we're using. That is throwing a few people onto our website. But again, it's not throwing huge amounts. Um, it's more of people who are following us. It's just that drip kind of, it's that drip advertising. Eventually, they succumb to all these awesome photos and they say, well, fuck so it, fuck it, it I'm going to join you guys. Um, but, but it's not what it, it's, it's, it doesn't have the impact of what, of what Facebook used to have. And we grew a lot in the sort of the call it the early days of Facebook advertising. And now we're through that gate. No one is going to be able to catch us. Not because we're brilliant. Not, not, no other reason other than we just jumped on early and, and managed to get through that gate. And now it's almost, if you're starting up now or you have 20 or 30 or 40,000 followers, you'll never ever catch us. At our 130,000, we're not even growing at 130,000. It's pretty much been 128 to 130,000 for the last so it's stuck there. four years. Yeah, we're not, we, we, we just can't seem to, to grow that. And, we, and we're not putting in any more money on, into it. It's just not worth it. So this is, be, you know, so, so you're saying that you, you kind of entered this market and it was quite a unique offering and now it's sort of, it's filling up. And the channels that you, you used to use that were very effective for you are starting to slow down or the rules are changing. So they're not kind of working. How are you attracting these elusive millennials that millions of people talk about all the time um, you know, how, how, are you, how are you actually getting those eyeballs onto your page? How are you? Phew, Ross, it's hard. It's, 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 it's damn hard. But and I think it's, it's more of slowly, slowly catch the monkey kind of idea than, than put a whole bunch of money on social media and think you're going to get people. I think people are not so crazy about social media as, as what they were in the early days. So, you know, to attract them, they've seen it all before pretty much. I mean, you've seen crazy videos, you see crazy photos, you see cool videos, you see horrible stories it's all out there no one what you're getting is nothing new what you're putting out there should i say is, is nothing new um it's just constantly getting people to to follow you and slowly slowly re, you know sort of reeling them in it, it's not what it was where like they see something cool and they like they jump onto it it's you know we often so get you posting often, regularly we're you're posting regularly we're posting the, the, the nicest stuff regularly that's different to the stuff before it's hard. Content is your biggest uh, is, is, is your biggest challenge in social media because your lifespan of your photo is, is a day. After a day, that photo is now old school. And then having to go and do it again two days later, and then that photo again joins the sort of the symmetry of all the old, uh, old dead contents content. and dead contents. And how are you going to go and do that again? And we've got eight programs which, you know, three or four photos from each program sums up the program. And then go and do it next week again. It's hard. It's come up with new captions the whole time. Are you doing people, all of this, or have you outsourced it to the volunteers and the and the teams on the on the ground to kind of generate this stuff for you? So the actual posting and what we post is me. Um, but I've got to constantly knock on doors and ask guys, "Come, you've got such cool photos." I tend to try and befriend many of the ex volunteers who have left, and there you can kind of there's normally like sort of banks of awesome stuff. Right, and, and also what makes the change with where I am lucky is that it's the same elephants or the same rhinos or the same project, but there's new people. 
that are coming and new sayings that they are bringing in and new uh, energy that they bring in. So we try and sort of capture that. So yes, it is the same elephant, but it's a whole new story with another person feeding the elephant, walking with the elephant, uh, talking about the elephant, but it's the same elephant at the end of the day. So that, that does help us. And, and I think where we are at an, at an advantage, we're not a, it, it's, it's an awesome, you know, we're dealing with incredible things, right? Being wildlife in Africa, where it's very marketable. So if, you, if I was in, if I was in uh, insurance, if, if I was in insurance, God, what, 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 <laughs> we gave a guy his wheel back that he, that he went over, he fucked up his wheel on a pothole, and here, you know, what are you going to take? How, how are you going to show that on social media? Yeah. So we are lucky. That sense, we certainly are lucky. Um, but you've still got to, you know, show new stuff all the time and different angles of old stuff, making them new. How long have you been running um, Volunteer SA for? Um, we started in 2008, okay. so we just over 10 years. And I mean, how do you keep yourself engaged and inspired and, and keep going uh, a decade later? It's hard. It's hard. Um, sometimes I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to tell you that every day is a brand new, beautiful day out there, but it's, it's hard. It's, it's not easy. Last year was a, an absolute disaster for us. Um, we took on a business partner who just ideas we, that we installed did not work at all and cost us millions and and luckily we're through that now um but it's 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 difficult you i think every time when i once or twice when I, our drivers are off and i have to go and fetch volunteers on a sunday afternoon an hour or two out of johannesburg it's, it's not great and then when you're driving you leave the project and you see how they all say goodbye to each other and they cry and they bawl and we often have times where they volunteer is crying for two hours all the way up to the airport um, that inspires me because we kind of forget we forget that people are coming to have an incredible time of, of stories that they've read or videos that they've watched or movies that they've seen about Africa about animals or documentaries and they sort of for two weeks of their life or more they, they sort of touch their dream and now they're on their way home and it's kind of you know it was a flash in the pan for them but you think wow you know I am actually doing cool work work that's you know for the greater good of of africa in the world and it's i mean I think it's this, pretty cool i think this is such a an important lesson for for all the people listening is that you know you, you sort of forget why you started in the first place um i don't know if you know hard man he's got a book called uh, my your business brickyard and the principle of it is you started your business for a specific reason, for something that inspired you, for something that energized you. And I think the longer you're in a business, the further, often the further away you get from that core essence. And I think what you've accidentally designed into your thing is you connect back, you know, like to that core essence and you're like, oh, I am actually doing something that I, I care about. And right. how like, often we get so far removed from our end user, right? Yeah. The guy who we inspire and the guy who loves what we do, generally the guy at the top is, doesn't even know who is, is making good use of our work. And this yes. is actually pretty cool when you go and you see how excited they are, whether it's any, any product that you are selling or service, it's actually quite, it's, it's revitalizing to you know, get back into touch with that and seeing that and it does, it certainly you think, you know, you think, geez, it's an elephant, but to this person, this elephant is life-changing. Well, you've seen the elephants a thousand times. They've only seen the elephant once. You know, it's the, the first time they're ever coming and having this experience. You've been exposed to it for a long period of time and have kind of desensitized it. 
And I, I remember a good few years ago, I was, I used to go to the airport on my own and go and bring volunteers and, you know, shuttle them to certain uh, of our projects. And something that never occurred to me is that we, we turned onto this, uh, onto this dust road to get to this project. And the one volunteer said, geez, look at the sand. It's red. And I'm thinking, geez, eh? It is actually red and, and overseas, or generally, they don't really sort of see that red kind of sand. And we think that we take it as completely yeah. mundane. They are like inspired by it. And, you know, I think it's always important to keep, keep finding what inspires your clients and gets them excited because in turn, it, it, it reignites your excitement. Yeah, you and can your use passion it as your fuel. You look through their eyes and suddenly it's all fresh and exciting again. Correct, exactly. So it's not just an elephant or it's not just feeding a giraffe or bottle feeding a, a baby rhino that's going to be returned to the wild. It's, it's something that you're touching. It's almost, it's quite, for them, it's quite spiritual. And for us, it's just a, another rhino, right? This rhino, baby rhino's mom was poached in the Kruger and here you're busy re- rehabilitating it back into the wild. It's, you know, these, these people come and, and rightly so. It's, it's, it's a spiritual uh, awakening for them, which, which we actually need to feed off and don't miss those little lessons because we can reignite our business and our marketing yeah. and our everything. You get caught up in the planning and the finances and HR and the stress and, and the bank, bank managers pissed you off and the, this has irritated you and yeah. Awesome. There's a thought I just want to loop back around. I mean, you said that it was a hard year for you and and you, you took on a business partner that didn't work out. Um, with a bit of hindsight, is there anything you think anyone listening should be aware of when they are taking on a business partner and looking at oh, pulling absolutely. someone into the business? What, what, are they, what, what, what lessons came out of that for you? Oh, God, a university of, 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 of lessons. Okay. The first is... Always keep track on, on what he or she's doing. Don't believe that you are, don't believe that that person is, is, is superior to you or you are inferior to that new partner because they are an amazing protege in, in marketing. Right. So always keep tabs on that. And that's probably where I didn't. I kind of gave him free reign where I shouldn't have. Um, smash it out when you smell a rat. Don't let it go on and on. Don't let it go on a day longer than than than, uh, than what it is. Such and a simple thought, but it's such a hard thing to do. And you see it like you almost have to call it like as soon as you possibly can. Uh, yeah, and that's my biggest mistake. Is if I didn't make a mistake getting into business with a guy, the second mistake was letting it go a day longer, and then a day becomes a week, a month, a year, and eventually you, you're sitting with a mess in your business, a big mess. Um, that was that's actually a nightmare. Um, that's another learning. And my, I think my biggest learning is that no one knows your business better than you. Mm. And don't ever believe someone does, right? Yes, they can help. And yes, they can give you ideas to think about. But if you've been in your business long enough, you know where, you know what to do yourself. Maybe you, you're not doing as best as you can, but, but you know what's good for you and you know what's not good for you. And don't ever, don't ever sort of lose sight of that because that, that, that can kill you yes. and kill your business. In, 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 in a year, you can, can, can smash you so certainly be awake to that at all at, at all times it's i mean uh, like i fundamentally believe that the the leader of the business is the one that's responsible for for the brand and for that strategic direction and for maintaining the things that made it special it's very hard to to 
impart that onto somebody else because if they have a slightly different vision from you or a slightly different take on the whole thing than you do they can take your business in a very very different yeah it can cost like, you a whole lot more money to get a lot less back yeah and again no one knows your business as, as well as you do and and that needs to that needs to be you know in concrete and and nothing needs nothing should come you know above that yes again people can help you and take that help and mix it in with your business and what your experiences are and your knowledge but don't ever hand over something to anyone you know just because you're a partner who says he can do something who has maybe done it in many other industries but yes. not your industry and that's i think the big thing is that marketing well my biggest part of my business is marketing right the rest of our business is, is pretty straightforward so you know marketing and don't ever believe that someone who's marketed i don't know cars or online casinos or glasses can come into your business and market the best way that 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 you would never be marketing right it's it's your business you know how to market it someone else can help you but you know and add a couple of flavors of, of what he's bringing in but certainly don't go and hand over your marketing department to them and that's pretty much what i did which is a shocking mistake so you, you need a, you, you would do it again but you would do it with um kind of clear measurements or clear line of sight of what they're, they're trying to do right and and in every stage I would, I would sit down and say how are we doing and and uh, you know isn't this keep, the kind of you oh. live this life where you have so much pressure piled up on top of you so many responsibilities as soon as you find someone who you think can take like a portion of those responsibilities it's super easy to just throw them at that person and then you you suddenly have this weight lifted off you and it's easy to run well, off well that is distance. exactly what happened we were, he comes from a a credible track record of marketing um, in different industries and uh, i need credible well, we all need credible traffic on our website and certainly my that side of my business is completely online my marketing and here's this guy who who comes with a you know, a smashing track record. I can do this. I can do this. This is what I did here. This is what I did there. Highly successful. And I'm thinking, geez, this is like, wow, this is incredible. All I got to do now is concentrate on the, on the logistics, the programs, you know, ensuring quality on, on all that side. And um, I turned around and next thing I'm, yeah, looking, we're looking at this big fat cannon right in the barrel and my head's pretty much in the barrel and that thing's going to go off and I'm out. Um, it, it certainly wakes you up. You sit up and pay attention. It should never have happened. It did happen, and and we all need to be aware of that. So, so I mean, one we were talking about leadership challenges. You know, so you said last year was a hard year for you. What have what has been the kind of leadership challenges for you in that, and how are you carrying it forward into twenty nineteen? I think the biggest, the biggest uh, thing you need to take note of is is when something needs to, to happen, do it today. Not tomorrow, not tonight, today. Um, we've had staff members that we, we've had to, to, to release. And I kept on making excuses to myself of why we shouldn't now or it's me that hasn't managed her correctly or him correctly. And it was really difficult to, to let some staff members go who have been loyal and great and fun. And we're a small business and we sit across the table from each other. It's not like employee 1024 is now being you know asked to leave so so there's a you know there's a high emotional value between the two of us and it's it was difficult but but once you've done it and then you start getting back into your business and realizing 
geez, we, we actually are doing this a lot better than what she was doing it. And I think after four or five years, she, she was tired. A few of them were, you know, was tired. Tired of doing the same thing again and not energized. Again, possibly my, 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 uh, my doing. But uh, I've, I've seen the whole new side of the business where the passion is back. And it's not just mundane emails being bombed out. These are people who are coming, probably saved, saved money for the last year or two working in a McDonald's flipping burgers. And now they want to come to Africa and they've emailed us. You need to get back to them as, as personally and as quickly as possible and actually engage them. Because the quicker you engage them and start a relationship with them, even if it's over email, the less chance they've got of going somewhere else. Are you already saying that Facebook's getting worse and worse? Like it's harder and harder to find the leads. You've got to use those leads as, as yeah, hard single, as you quickly as you can. single person comes in, yeah, you've got to grab that person and you've got to sort of romance them from the get-go. I mean, I'm sitting here, I wonder if you, you can't use, you know, we were talking earlier about how going to these projects and seeing the volunteers and then the kind of experience you're creating for them, you know, is that something you can use? to keep that team inspired because i think it is one of the big challenges is you get these people into your business and almost the role you you start them off in and the role they end up in change over time and and you need to almost recalibrate those expectations and recalibrate the goals of the team and keep that whole team kind of driving into the same direction yeah absolutely i think you know field trips to our, our project even if it's in cape town or namibia you know get get your stuff out let them see what you're doing let, let them see how excited these volunteers that they just sort of bang emails to here comes the volunteer and uh, it, it's a world uh, the world opens for that volunteer and uh, you just thought it was an email or two that you're smashing out quickly as possible to to the volunteer and you come and see come see what you know what's on the other side so I think, I think it's a good idea, getting, getting out and keeping in touch with, with the people who, actually, who you actually are servicing. I think it's a lovely message to kind of wrap things up on. And I'd just like to ask you one, one last question just to end the, the, the episode off is, you know, you sort of standing here, we, we almost a month and a bit into 2019. Like how, how are you feeling about the year? And, and, and are you excited? Are you tired are you nervous are you scared what's what's happening here um, i'm absolutely excited um i'm ridiculously tired we've got a whole lot of staff members less now and a lot of the work's fallen on to me um but i'm i'm loving it i'm loving the new passion i'm seeing things firsthand where again you become removed and, and now i'm back back at the sharp end which is nice and uh, I think this year for us, we, we, we don't do much business in South Africa at all. So, you know, the business climate here in South Africa is, is not something that we are remotely worried about. It's overseas. And, and from that side of it, we, we're really looking strong already. And we just hope we can build on, on that and, and move as far away from last year as possible. Right. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you've reinvigorated yourself in your business and are, are overworked but loving every last second of it. Um, and thank you very much for sharing sharing with the audience. Thanks, Ross. That was great. Thank you. Awesome. So you guys have been listening to Radio. Um, I'm your host, Ross Drakes. Um, and Radio is produced by the Entrepreneurs Organization in South Africa. A quick shout out to all our strategic alliance partners, Bidvest McCarthy, Bidvest Car Hire, 
exec care and 10xe if you're running your own business you need to look all these people up because they can change the way you do things if you're an entrepreneur and you want to find out more go to eonetwork.org and i'd just like to end off by saying that if you've heard anything that you think someone should hear please do us a favor and pass this on to them um, you know we believe that sharing kind of knowledge and inspiration is an obligation so so we'd love it if you could do that Thank you very much and we'll catch you next week.